Over to you when you're ready. Thank you very much, Stephen Briggs. <laughs> but yeah, so um, my name is Tom Miller. Uh, I run the two years ago set up the Ethereum meetups in Brisbane. If you guys don't know what Ethereum is, it's you know what Bitcoin is. Ethereum is the second largest cryptocurrency. If you want to think of it as a currency. Um, hmm. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool because Nathan's here and he runs the Sydney Ethereum meetups. Uh, so yeah, you got to cool guys who are trying to do blockchain stuff. <laughs> We've been trying for many years, so this didn't happen overnight. Yeah, so that, that's me, guys. Um, I've just been an entrepreneur for the last 10 years uh, and um, self-taught programmer, and then, you know, I'm building cave houses in Udlo, uh, and we've been tokenizing the ownership of the property there. We've got 12 acres. Uh, pretty cool, you can buy into the property without paying tax to the government. Um, that's just one of the perks that blockchain allows you to do. Could you speak up a little bit, please? Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so, um, but really, uh, who, who's, who's, who understands blockchain? Who feels like they really get a good grasp of it? All right, so sort of a few. <laughs> well, I'm just going to um, go straight to this slide then because um, I feel like it's, um, it will help you understand what blockchain is and I've had a few years of trying to explain it to people. Uh, so blockchain from a non-technical perspective. So on the whole, the big problem in the planet is that we've got 7 billion people. It's going to increase to 9 billion. Uh, and uh, we're all you know, having different discussions about how we're going to manage 7 billion people on the planet in a fair way. Uh, that's you know, not sort of like encroaching on any <coughs> small populations. And it's just fair. And if we're going to be managing ourselves using digital technology, who owns the computer? You know, should it be a government owns the computer? Who owns the information? You know, how can we do it in a way that's decentralized? Maybe nobody owns the computer. Nobody owns the information. Maybe it's a shared computer uh, that everybody can own and nobody owns. And maybe anybody can, can code up new government systems or new ways of organizing ourselves. And that's what Nathan's going to be talking about. Peerism, uh, I think you're going to be talking about that. Didn't I just, uh, but yeah, a way that we can organize ourselves and the jobs that we do and the roles of society. Uh, so that's pretty much like the, the big picture, the issue. Um, and the thing is that it's funny how humanity has come around full circle. Like, you know, it's only been in the last like maybe 400 years that we've been living in this hierarchical societies. Uh, before that, we actually lived in communities. It was very tribal. Uh, there was a lot of respect. Um, uh, there was, uh, it was actually, uh, I don't know how, I wasn't living in the time, but I imagine it was pretty good, you know, some things and, you know, you weren't sure. There was other problems anyway. But the cool thing is that, um, we are moving around to that full circle again, uh, and that's what blockchain sort of represents, uh, that we are moving into this global 7 billion tribe of people, uh, and our thoughts are slowly aligning, and we're having you know, better ways of agreeing with different things, uh, and we're reaching what we call consensus. Um, well, that's what we call it in, in the blockchain world. And it's just funny, because I, I work for the company called Consensus. Um, and so, yeah, my role in this whole blockchain industry is, um, uh, consensus, you probably heard of the Ethereum Enterprise Alliance. Uh, the Ethereum Enterprise Alliance got about 250 companies of the Fortune 500 companies around the world who have publicly stated and they've joined the alliance in saying that they want to move their corporation onto the Ethereum blockchain. But how would they do it? Uh, and so I'm, I'm tasked with the job of, of building out the education platforms that the you know, developers are using uh, and, and, and decision makers in these corporations 
uh, building out the education that, that they're uh, adopting to, to move into and be compatible with technology. So how do we manage 7 billion of people on the planet? Well, in this room right now, if we have a, uh, an agreement, say for instance, an agreement can be, you know, you've given me one of your uh, mentors, no, extra. And I turn around and say, I didn't get an extra, but you all witnessed it. You all witnessed the agreement. So obviously I'm being a bad actor in that situation. Uh, and because you all witnessed it, the, uh, you know, enforcement happens by default because you all say to me, no, you got your Mentos and shut up. Or, you know, you're... So that, that's how it works. And this is how um, you know, a legal agreement or any type of event that happens that we all peer-to-peer -peer witness. So for that to happen, say for instance, uh, you know, I, he gives me $5. It's a, it's a legal agreement. Uh, for that to happen, what I want to point out is that the protocols that Bitcoin, and just to help you understand it from a non-technical perspective, the protocols from Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these blockchain technologies are no different to the way our humans, our, our brains, actually communicate with one another. So in order for you to enforce that event that where uh, I was given $5, you all have to record that event in your brain first, don't you? And then in order for you to agree if I was given the $5 or not, you actually all have to peer-to-peer -peer talk to one and each other about that event. So you've got to recall the event, tell it to another brain in the, in the room, and, uh, and from there, how much time I got? Nine minutes I got left? Oh, beautiful. All right, well, I'll slow down. So yeah, from, the cool thing is that from there, uh, you're recalling the event and you're, you're saying it to your peers in a decentralized way, and then you're making a statement about whether an event was true or not. So you can sort of see how corruption, sort of like by default, it's pretty hard for me to be corrupt in this room right now. You know, if I go and punch him in the face, you're all going to, you know, say, well, you know, you're a corrupt man and you can't do that and you'll put me in my place. And we witness this all the time when, like, we go out, we get drunk or something like that, and one of us is just being an idiot. And, oh, like, look, you know, we all like, look, man, I'm taking you home, you're going to go home and we're going to put you in a bed because, you know. So we enforce things by default in a community tribal environment. Unless so, you collude. <laughs> we can make cabals or yeah, yeah, cool stuff. But uh, the cool thing is that with transparency, that's not possible. Um, so it's, the humans, we have a great way of understanding, and uh, there's been lots of studies on gorillas and stuff like that as well, where we have this ability for some reason to understand what fair play means in our society, and our brains are great at recognizing that. So as long as we keep transparency, we can make this happen. So the cool thing is, so we don't have uh, corruption in a community of 150 people. Um, and, and enforcement can, and, and a good example of that is Burning Man right now. So Burning Man is a, a concert that, or a festival that's going on right now. They really pride themselves, they're a decentralized society. It's just all got values built into this that they all agree on and they all enforce those values with no police. There's no security at Burning Man, that's pretty cool. How many people go? There's a lot of people. And I just want you to po also point out that a lot of the ideas of Ethereum uh, came out, blockchain came out of that Burning Man um, event. So a lot of the Ethereum people are at the Burning Man event right now. So this is just what we call like a peer uh, contract. Uh, the, we could call it a, a sort of like a you know a peer review sort of way of doing things. Cool, mate. Um, but the only thing with blockchain is that you know if we're going to have lots of events happening on the on the on the planet, you know supply chain events like you know where was the tuna farmed? You know how can we verify it was farmed in this area or, or anything that we do. Um, we obviously can't expect our brains, our poor little brains, to manage every single event and communicate to other brains and say, yeah, that's what, that's what happened. So, but we've got all these amazing computational machines called computers that we can actually do this with. And so we can get computers to uh, record these events and record the, the events on a decentralized database that nobody owns and everybody owns. Because you think about it, like, 
what is a database? It's just information, isn't it? Okay, but then what, what do we do with information as humans? All we do is act on information. If I tell you, look, it's going to rain tomorrow, majority of you probably won't go outside. That's how powerful information is. So it's about creating the right information signals that will sort of direct society or the path of humanity into a way that we're sort of happy with and we resonate with. Does that make sense? So we can use these decentralized databases for really powerful things. Um, and the only other difference is that in this transaction, computers are the medium as well, just like we use our phones right now. So that's pretty much, um, does that make a good understanding of what blockchain is? So, yeah, another way of thinking about it is like, what really resonated with me is that blockchain's like standing in a room and just shouting out something. And then if everyone records the information, uh, then we're all in agreement that that was what happened. So there's no room for corruption. So that's how we're gonna uh, basically, what, what I call computer-aided community um, uh, con consensus. So it allows us to achieve ongoing uh, consensus continuously every moment in life for the seven billion people on the planet. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's pretty much what we're trying to do. So... Can I ask a quick question? Yeah, go for what it. What about the parameters of how that decision is made? The parameters? You're talking about the process. Yeah. What about the parameters? That's where it comes into smart contracts. So that's where we define the parameters. Um, and, 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 and this is a real grassroots movement. I want to I point out that a lot of this is not going to happen from you know, Ethereum, Bitcoin, it didn't come out of a government department, it didn't come out of a corporation idea, it wasn't funded by anything. It was literally, it's a, it's a grassroots sort of movement of programmers building code upon other code until we got to Ethereum, until we got to Bitcoin and the other 833 uh, token systems out there right now. Um, so why, why I'm saying that is because it's not gonna, we've got this idea called Oracle Systems, which we'll, we'll, we will build smart contracts based on passports and things like that moving forward. And that's happening right now around the world. In fact, government of Dubai wants to put all of their transactions on the Ethereum blockchain by 2020. Um, and you know, the end result of that is that they're just gonna be a really efficient society. Uh, you know, there's gonna be beautiful transparency um, and uh, they, other governments will wanna do the same thing. But basically, nine out of ten governments over the next ten years will move lots of stuff to the blockchain. Um, but what I'm, why I'm saying this is also is that it's it's got to be a grassroots movement anyway. So Bitcoin was a grassroots movement where you know everyone's got agreement about the value of a Bitcoin now. Probably not everyone in this room, but people who have been living with Bitcoin for the last like for me last seven years, uh, it's a it's a. I, I honestly put all my value into these currencies because I don't actually trust anything else. There's no actual, there's no, everything else is human dependent. Here it's just a decentralized piece of software propagating around millions of computers. And I know that that code's not gonna be changed by anyone. Uh, I know that there's not gonna be a policy that comes out that changes things. It's just completely predictable. Okay, and that's what we're sort of looking for in society, many of us now. Doesn't it facilitate money, money laundering then? Isn't that one of the... You can use, so a, you you can use a gun for doing bad things, you can use a gun, you can do a shovel for doing bad things. This is just a tool. It's just a tool. Mm. You can use information for good or bad. To get what? away with it. <laughs> Say again? I said perhaps facilitating it more, a more efficient way of getting away with it. That's why the parameters are so important. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I encourage you to all get involved. Mm. Uh, this is a traditional <laughs> system. Uh, we all trust a you know, Commonwealth Bank or you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. we, used to. Yeah. we all trust Telstra then, I don't know. Like, that's, what we, that's what we deal with. This is what we're moving towards. Um, 
Why blockchain? There's lots of reasons. Um, it's just why, why would we even use the internet? It's, it's that basic of a question. It means totally different things to different people. Um, I, my, my main reason for this talk really is just to get you guys over the edge of understanding the true implications of blockchain for, for what it means to 7 billion people and then really just go away and do your research in what you care about uh, with the technology because it's, it's just totally different for different people. It's going to mean a huge change in society, um, stronger cooperative environment. That's what attracted me to it. Um, you know, I'm part of the Brislets community. And uh, very excited that you know eventually these energy or recognition trading, whatever you want, reputation trading, will be moved to these blockchains. Um, a good example is what maybe maybe uh, <coughs> let's get shut down by the government or something like that. Well, it's another big sort of like redundant factor about blockchain is that it's a you know it's a system that can't be turned off, so you can't censor this type of internet. Uh, so then there's not not a human having an opinion about the way things are going to be. It's just, if there's a better system out there and it's just there and it can be adopted. And that's what Bitcoin was. It was just a better system. Uh, I used to pay my programmers in Bulgaria in 2012 uh, with Australian dollars. And to get money from Australia to Bulgaria I had to go through intermediary banks. Um, and it was a five-day process. Bitcoin, it was a 10-minute process at the time. Uh, and it was just easier. So, that, you know, it's, it's also about the unbanked people. So, you know, there's two billion people on the planet that don't have access to bank accounts right now. I think it's even more. It might be three billion. Um, and Commonwealth Bank don't want to touch them because they turn over less than a dollar a day, so they can't get any profit out of it. Whereas here's some ethical software that can actually just, uh, you know, provide that service by default in society. Um, and that's another thing that blockchain is doing at the moment as we speak. Uh, a flux party all on, on blockchain. Uh, it doesn't matter what blockchain it is, as long as it's on a database, it's distributed. Uh, identity, uh, there's this idea, Linux Foundation, uh, they've um, come up with this idea of uh, self-sovereign identity and they're building uh, ident self-sovereign identities on the blockchain. I'm also part of a project where consensus called Uport, which is doing the same thing. Uh, so a self-sovereign identity is where you don't have to trust a government or Australia Post or Commonwealth Bank with your identity. Your identity is yours, truly yours, it stays on the, uh, on, uh, part of it stays on the blockchain or access to it. Uh, and it, you know, just like Facebook, you know, you got all those different sections about you, uh, your work history, your comments. So your experience of this in Uport will be that if someone's requesting your work history, it gives you bargaining chips where someone says, "Oh yeah, look, Commonwealth Bank is asking for your work history. Uh, you know, do you agree?" And you can say no, uh, and then you can actually choose to say, "Look, well, I want money." You know. I want $50 if you want my work history or if you want the last you know, year, year of chat history on Facebook. So that's the experience that you're going to feel from it, that you'll just have ultimately a lot more power in your life personally and, and feel like on the same level, same voice or same yeah, volume of voice as a corporation on the, on the global field. That's pretty much it, guys. Um, what's now possible? This is sort of like going to happen over, what I predict is going to happen over the next sort of like bit of time. What, what controls the roots of value to the dollar? Because what I've been hearing, it's gone from next to nothing to about $16,000 per Bitcoin. Yeah, I think a lot of it is, is, is logic. Like people realize that Bitcoin is built on mathematics um, and they've got a choice. So what choice do you have to store your value right now? You can store it in a house, you can store it in gold, uh, you can store it 
Uh, what else have you got? You can store it in a car, that's not very good. Uh, what else? Shares? Well, they haven't been performing super, super well over the last 10 years. Or you got blockchain. So it's your choice. Um, and yeah, The question is, what controls the relative value to the dollar? It's just totally um, who's wanting to buy the, these tokens. Well, it sounds like casino. That's what I'm getting at. It doesn't sound like casino. It's just it's just it's just but people it, it wanting the tokens. Something like 28 percent a few weeks ago. Scarcity. That's a good yeah. Scarcity. So there's only uh, at the moment there's 16 million bitcoins and there'll be 21 million bitcoins or approaching 21 million bitcoins um, over the next 10 years. Yeah. Yes. It's Tom, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Tom, for your insights. No worries. So you may well be aware of TensorFlow, who recently launched the uh, open source platform for machine learning. Yeah. So I'd love to hear your insights, perhaps your views on whether TensorFlow could really be with blockchain or Ethereum and how that could work for the future. I don't know enough about <coughs> what they're doing, so. Yeah, and I know that block my personal. I had a, I won't answer any more questions because Nathan's go. But I just wanted to say another big reason for blockchain. If you're worried about artificial intelligence taking over, um, blockchain. What it does is it decentralizes the internet. So there's no point of failure or point of control. So it's like compartmentalizes the internet so that you know one entity, one AI smart entity, couldn't take over and suppress other entities. Anyway, thank you very much, guys. Thank you.